0: Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now, for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin.
1: Welcome, friends. We are back. And this is episode 27 of the Sports Leadership podcast. We took a almost a one year break, uh, just about 11 months to be exact, uh, but we're back with the Sports Leadership podcast with a new episode. Uh, I am your co-host Kevin DeShazo of Culture Winds and Fieldhouse Media along with Mark Hodgkin and it's great to be back.
0: It really is Kevin. It's uh it's it's been too long. I know we, we obviously stay in in really close touch and uh you know we've been been busy with a bunch of different things and and uh you know it's been a good Productive year, I think, for both of us. But excited to be back, and hope it won't be another 11 months before hear from us again. <laughs> that's that's right.
1: Hopefully, we can we can make this uh, more of a regular occurrence again. Um, to squash any rumors, we did not have a dramatic fallout. We did not get into a massive argument and hate each other. I don't know that that rumor actually exists, but I want to actually create it and then squash it at the same time. But we just got busy. Uh, life got busy. Travel got busy. Work got busy. And I hate you know, using busyness as an excuse with everything that was happening, life kind of, uh, the podcast kind of got pushed, pushed to the side, but we have had a lot of encouragement from you guys who listen to it. Um, are you going to bring it back? Please bring it back. We've had kind of a random influx of guests who want to appear on the show. So we're going to be hopefully bringing you some exciting uh, guest conversations in the future, but Mark, what is, what's going on in your world?
0: Yeah, busy over here as well, Kevin. Um, you know, I've been at New Line College now for just about three years. And uh, last time we were talked, uh, we were just getting spun out as our own standalone entity. More recently, we've actually just been sold to Learfield IMG College. So some more changes coming our way partners going over to Sidearm and the, the good folks over there and our ticketing ones rolling up into Pacchiolan. Um I'm probably not going to be continuing long-term um, with that organization. Um, still some things being worked out, but definitely excited about the changes, excited about some, uh, some new things that might be uh, happening over here, so... So hopefully some updates uh, from my end coming up in the not-too-distant future. Excited to share those. But uh, all in all, like we're going to be talking about today, a lot, of, uh, a lot of change and a lot of things going on. Kevin, what's going on in your world? Yeah, it's been uh, been, been a lot of change, a lot of busyness, um, a lot of good busyness. Not
1: just, not just busy for the sake of being busy, but busy getting things done. Um, you know, So our last episode was July of 2018. Since then, uh, we have launched Giant TV. Um, our online leader development platform. It's really kind of become a, a culture management system for teams and organizations. Um, It's got content to help you raise your level of self-awareness, communication, work-life balance, culture surveys, personality assessments, pathways to get better at specific skills. And so it's, it's, it uh, been fun to watch that evolve just in a few short months that it's been out and see teams adopt that. Our business partners, Jeremy and Steve, had their latest book come out, The 100X Leader. Um, we launched certification in the five voices, which is a topic we've, we've covered on here. Um, you can now get certified in that. So it's been fun seeing that launch. Um, the 100X Leader certification is coming in just a few weeks. So it's been just a, a lot of good things happening, you know, a lot of good things coming down the road. And kind of a consistent theme with with all that, with you and with me and with, with everything going on is is change um, and transition. And so that's going to be uh, the topic of this episode. We're going to talk about leading through transition, how you create change, um, and the difficulties uh, of, of doing those things in some ways that you can maybe do that more effectively um, and building your influence and not losing people along the way, not having to drag people along the way. So I think this is going to be a really fun, helpful episode. So check it out and we'll see you on the other side.
0: All right. Excellent conversation on deck here um, in episode 27, Sports Leadership Podcast. And uh, this time of year, especially for a lot of our listeners in the college space, there's a lot of change going on, you know, whether that's the end of a uh, academic season and, um, you know, job changes, uh, people getting promoted, people making uh, moving to different organizations and making new starts. Um, and then also, you know, a lot of people just spending time to kind of reflect on how the year went and, and how they can get better and, and and what kind of changes they'd like to see moving forward. And summer is always kind of a good time to, to reset that and, and think about that. And so, Kevin, I think, you know, when you're out in the field a lot with leaders, you know, what is the biggest pain point you see um, with creating change and, and kind of where where can you start to, to create that change? Yeah, I think,
1: you know, when, I'm, when I'm with people, the, the biggest complaint I guess I probably get is you know, leaders are trying and, and we're assuming that leaders have the best of intent here, right? And so you, you've got all these different types of change, whether it's, again, in a, in a new position, you're taking a, a new job with a new department, or you're, you're um, in a position where you just realize things aren't where they should be and you need to, you need to make some changes, um, not necessarily just in, in, in personnel, but creating a new culture. And so the, the frustration that I get from leaders often is getting people on board with that change. They, they just find that because they believe they're going the right direction. They believe that they're trying to help people, but there's just this, this resistance that they meet. People aren't buying in people and they label it as a lack of commitment, a lack of, they, they put it all on, on, the, on their people. And, and certainly some of that is, but they feel like they're having to drag people along um, to this new destination, right? To this new culture, to this new environment, whatever it may be. Um, and if you're dragging people, you're not leading people, right? And so that's, but leaders get impatient. Um, because leaders tend to be, this isn't always true, but but leaders tend to be visionary, right? They have a vision for where they want to be going, for the change they want to see. Not everyone gets that vision. That doesn't mean they don't they don't want to get it. That doesn't mean um, they don't agree with it. It just means they, they don't see this as clearly as you are because they're not you. And so so leaders get really frustrated and they're just constantly trying to drag people. Uh, and, and there are a lot of ways to, to handle handle this. But I think the biggest thing for leaders is to a slow down. You can't just put your foot on the gas and run because you're going to lose your people. You have to slow down to speed up and really build relationship, build trust. Um, Because what you're actually—I don't think you're actually trying to get people to agree with the vision. You want them to trust you and to be able to say, "Man, I may not be able to see it because for some it may take months for them to actually see where you're going." And you don't have months to sit around and wait. If they know who you are, they don't have to fully see where you're going. Like, man, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't fully agree with it but I trust him or I trust her and I'm willing to get on board with them. Um, And that takes time building relationship. And that's where leaders don't want to spend the time, right? They want to do the work to create the change, not the work to build the relationship that will lead to change.
0: Yeah. And I think understanding where, and we talk about this a lot too, and understanding what people around you and how they see things. And it's it's always impossible to see it exactly as, or, or you can't always, you can never assume that, People see things the way you're seeing them in your head. It's just, you know, it's it's obvious, but it's not obvious, right? You know, you said this great vision of, of where you want to go and why it's important, and it just makes total sense. And th- this comes out in things big and small. And you know, I've been there many times where, you know, I have this perfect idea, perfect in my head. It sounds great. What What's the problem? Let's get going on it. You just have to have a little bit of empathy that the other people can't see it as clearly and see it as in the same way you are. So they're going to react a little bit differently. You're right. It might not be that they're obstructionist or slow or lazy or, you know, just don't want to ever do anything differently. You know, there's, we'll be honest, there's people who are like that sometimes, but the, you know, let's not, let's give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Let's assume you guys have developed a good team, you know, and like you said, bring some relationship aspect to it. And, and, you know, that's one thing that if you haven't been working on it for the last couple of years and now you're trying to make the change, you're going to run into some roadblocks. You're going to you're going to have some problems because you skipped that step. You didn't put in the work early, and now you know you're going to try to you know make up in a sport parlance. You're going to make up a a, a thirty point deficit in the last two minutes of the game. It's, you know it's not going to happen. So, you know I think that's an excellent point. Well, and it's it, you have to also realize from
1: a personality perspective, three fourths of people are are hesitant to change. Doesn't mean they don't want it. Doesn't mean they're against it. Um, but their nature is to question. And for some of those people, if we go back to, to Five Voices terminology from, from, I don't know, when we discussed it probably two years ago, um, the nurturers and the guardians, if you know Myers-Briggs language, um, it's the STs and the SFs. Um, for DISC, it's the Ss and the Cs. Um, they, they're questioning, like, it, do we really have to do this? Well, do you know how this is going to impact this person and this person and this person? Do we have the resources to actually do this? So they're asking all these questions. Um, and we, we label that as resistant, right? It's like, well, they're just, they're just trying to stop it and they're trying to hold us back and they're not on board. Um, we got to get the right people in the right seats on the bus. It's Like, well, you, you probably do have the right people in the right seats on the bus, um, but you're labeling them resistant when all they're really trying to do is get clarity. Um, and if we can take time to answer those questions, because you know we have a tool that we use for people in this situation called building the bridge. And so for future thinking individuals, you sell me a good story, I'll jump right? It's like, that sounds great. I don't know the details. I don't care about the details, but you sold me an awesome story. I'm in, we'll figure out the details along the way, but that's 25% of people. Um, the other 75% of people need you to build a bridge for them. Hey, here's where we're going, or here's where I want us to be going. And here's how we're going to get there because they're, they're hearing hey, great story. But last time we jumped, we lost Jessica and she was actually really nice. Um, so I'd like to not lose another person. So can we build can you build me a bridge? And it doesn't have to be the full bridge. Right, if you can just get steps one through three, it's like, all right, now I can at least see we're going the general direction. Or if you can go to those people, an even better option, I think, is to say, hey, here's where I think we're going. How do you guys think we can get there? What roadblocks do you see? What hurdles are we going to have to hop over and let them
0: build that bridge? Then you get even more buy-in. You know, I've, I felt that way before where I'm, I felt like I was, because I'm a guardian, as we've talked about in the past. I'll be asking these kind of questions and, you know, the way I kind of come across can be kind of um, stoic as far as like my, my, uh, I'm not jumping up and down when I'm excited, even if I am excited. So sometimes that tells people like, oh, this guy's kind of resistant to something new. He's, you know, why are he asking these, these questions? You know, he's just trying to be a jerk about, about something. Um, And it's not really, it's usually because it's, um, Hey, we tried, we got all excited about this idea before and we didn't follow through with it. So why are we going to kind of spin our wheels right now? And you know, and I think that's that's another thing to, that kind of goes to consistency, the consistency and the relationship building, but you also have to put in the work to deliver, you know, and be consistent in how you manage these projects and finish them and follow through so that the people who are naturally hesitant, you know, can see that vision and and continue to be engaged. We all remember lots of great projects that started well and had all the huge ideas and fireworks going off. And then, you know, a month later, it's forgotten. It's abandoned and uh, nothing ever comes of it. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that's my issue. Just, just being honest,
1: you know, my voice as a connector, as an ENFP, as I'm Mr. Idea Guy and everything sounds great. The follow through and the execution, you know, as, as we work through content about helping people uh, maximize their influence and seeing where they naturally undermine their influence, it's that execution piece, that follow through piece that is what hurts me. And so, again, it's easy for me to get frustrated with people like, don't you see it? Like, don't you see where we're going? This is going to be incredible. But they're saying, yeah, but these last five things were incredible, too. And either you never, you never started or you never finished. So to, to realize, you know, leaders have to look in the mirror at times and say, is there something about me in the way that I've led in the past, the way I've communicated in the past, that is causing them to not jump on board? And if it is, acknowledge that. Acknowledge that to your people. Say, you know, I, I realize I get excited about things a lot, but this one really is important. Can you guys help me execute on this? Can you guys keep me accountable? And to have that vulnerability, to have that humility, we'll get trust quicker. I think the other thing is to think about who's going to communicate the message to the team, um, because you as the leader may actually not be the best person to communicate. Um, if you can get a couple other people in the room who are trusted and say, hey, guys, here's, here's what I'm thinking here's where I'd love for us to be in a year. What do you guys think? How do you think the team's going to react? What do you think some of the issues and the, and the questions are going to be? And you let them shape that message with you. And, and maybe, A, you still communicate it, but now you've got buy-in of key people. Or you just say, great, well, one of you communicate this. Let's have, we're going to have a meeting on Friday. I'd love for you guys to explain this to the team. And so then it feels like people are already involved. They're bought in. Questions have been, have been asked and answered. and accelerates that buy-in time.
0: And there's two reasons that's great to do with the connectors and the and the guardians. I mean, the protectors and the guardians on your team, right? That they'll have that credibility. You bring them in. Hey, like you just said, how do we get to this area? Maybe it's maybe you have a team of 10, but you bring in one or two of those protectors, those guardians, really get on the same page. And then you're right. Let them present it because they're going to have a different level of credibility. They're going to have other people who might think that way with them, you know, say, oh, it's if it's good with... Mark, that makes sense. You know, I can, I can get behind that. Uh, so, so it's obviously been thought out and we've thought about all the things that could go wrong and we've, we've put it under a, uh, you know, a microscope and, and, it, and it looks good. I want to change this conversation a little bit. Talk about, you know, we're talking about when you are the leader of an organization trying to, you know, exert change and make some changes. What about when you're maybe a more junior person in the organization, somebody who's being counted on to execute the changes? Let's talk a little bit about when you're trying to navigate changes from your boss or from your leaders in your organization. You know, I think it's the, the role to play is not just if you are making calling, calling the shots and making the changes yourself. You know, I think even if you're maybe a younger, less senior person, how can they really shine uh, during periods of, of change? And you know, I think to me, it can be a huge opportunity um, to kind of stand out and, and really do some good things. You know, what would you, Kevin, what would your advice be to them? No, I think that's a great question um, because the, the, the pressure is on both sides,
1: right? It's on the leader to try to communicate the change in a, in a clear way in a compelling way um, and to build that relational trust. But it's also on people to not just accept the change, but to buy into to the change and, and to help create it because culture is communicated from the top down, but it's built from the bottom up. Same thing with change. Uh, and so you have to realize that there's a, there's a, if you help create change, that's opportunity, right? Because it's, it's easy to get resistant um, and not that you're against it, but to say, well, I don't know about this. And to start thinking only about yourself. Well, this may be, maybe it's a little more difficult for me, or this is going to change things for me. Well, change doesn't have to be bad. Change could create opportunity, it could increase your skill set, it could increase uh, your opportunity to lead and build influence. And so to see that change as an opportunity to grow, and to say, great, how can I be a force for good in the midst of this change? How can I actually help accelerate the change? And that doesn't mean you don't ask questions, right? So we're not saying just blind blind obedience or blind following. But if once you've bought in, once you've got the questions answered, to say, I'm in, I'm all in, and to not play a victim of change, but to look for, look for ways that you can own and create that change, to step up because that's what, and we've talked about this in other episodes about leading up. This is kind of one of those examples, like change is hard and you don't need to make it any harder than it already is, right? The work of change is hard enough. But but to be someone who creates relational drama in the midst of that change is just going to make things worse, and you're going to end up getting getting left behind. Um, and so to say, you know what, I'm in. Um, it's going to be confusing at times. It's not going to be clear at times because that's just the nature of change. But if I agree with it and I trust the leader, then I'm going to buy in, and I'm going to do whatever I can uh, to to help create that change. And so I think if people can can own it and show up with that mindset and and, and play. I don't know what the opposite of a victim is, but but to not play a victim role in the midst of change, but to be like be actually be an agent of that change, I think down the road will pay off significantly. Whether in that organization or in another organization down the road, because you have you you've had that experience of turning the Titanic, so to speak, right, and you have the experience and the growth um, and the wisdom that's come from from doing that type of work.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's easy. Organizations are filled with skeptics and. Uh, gossipers and people who can poke holes in anything. And, and, you know, that's it's not missed by most leaders in most organizations. You know, you, you can see when you're managing a team um, who is taking it seriously and, and who is, you know, trying to be a change agent. And those are the people you look for for leadership roles. Um, you know, we've had, we had some change where, you know, in the last year here before, you know, our sale, we were trying to completely revamp how we did Uh, product development um, and how we integrated our design team over to my team you know and we were pretty clear about like you know we need we need to think about this in a few different ways and here's how we can here's why it's important it's gonna be less time to build websites it's gonna be better products because the design will be in earlier with the developers things like that and you know to to their credit the team really gravitated towards it and said this is an opportunity to do it really well and we made some some outstanding changes that, that were really important and you know whether it, it worked out completely for us in the long term you know that was that was an opportunity to exhibit leadership and those people will always have you know my support and um, you know i'll be always be looking at them as as people who really helped do something difficult and and showed themselves to be leaders when you know they didn't have to um and when you know there was other people who were rolling their eyes at the idea of changing things so you know it even from a, a a selfish standpoint. Um, I don't think that's exactly the right word, but even from a self-interest standpoint, you know, I think it, it can really pay off in in real ways. I think it's asking the question like, who
1: do we remember, like, and who and who do we leave out? We remember people who buy in, and again, that doesn't mean blind obedience or blind agreement. That's not the point. That doesn't mean you don't ask difficult questions. That doesn't mean you don't get clarity. Um, but if you're constantly the skeptic, skeptic, if you're constantly finding the negative, if you're constantly like holding things back you're going to have no influence Um, and and eventually you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in. So if you, if you want to be significant, if you want to have influence, if you want to be in, be in, Um, if you don't, then I would just say leave. And that's, and there are seasons where that's, that is the right move. So, you know what? Like I I actually really don't agree with this change or I don't want to be a part of that change. Not to say you don't agree with it. Um, It's just, you know what, like this in my career, timing, whatever, this isn't change I want to be a part of And, and you make your exit. Great. Because you know, like we, we talk about this statement all the time to fight for the highest possible good of yourself and the team. That may be the right move because you being involved may hold the team back and yourself back. But if you're in, you know, be, be all in, um, and show up with that attitude every day. And, and I, and there's also got to be an extra uh, dose of grace again in the process of change is messy. So give, give people permission to screw up, to get it wrong. Because we're all, as you're navigating change, it's a it's a murky, messy river that you're trying to get through. Um, but the more you can be
0: together as you fight through that, the better it will be in the process and on the other side. I think that's a great like segue into kind of the the second part of this this episode. And what we wanted to talk about was when there are changes and when you know things. For a million different reasons, you know, you're forced to make a move in your career, whether it's a good opportunity, whether it's a less good opportunity. You know, where there's a a layoff or a, you know, a a staff change. Um, You know, those are those are really important things as well, and how you deal with them is is really important. So, I think it would be a good time to switch over to kind of those conversations. You know, when do you think, Kevin? I know you talked about this recently on on one of your uh, coffee with Kevin videos, but you know, how do you? How do you determine when it is time to make that, that move and, and perhaps change your environment? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously no
1: cookie-cutter answer in terms of that, that applies to everyone across the board because every situation is different. But, and I'm thinking of this as I say it out loud, so we'll see if it makes sense. I think too many people chase careers instead of chasing cultures and environments. And, and we do it in the name of ambition, as if being okay being the number two uh, in an athletic department or being okay, being whatever title um, isn't ambitious, like that, that's, that that's somehow weak, like, well, you, aren't you supposed to want to be an AD or be a head coach? Well, maybe, maybe not. That doesn't, but to say, you know what, I'm good being number two, or I'm good just running the marketing department. Great. So, so be all in and fully in there and create an environment and culture where, where people can thrive so that you can thrive because you can chase that title and um, you can chase that career and find yourself in miserable places where change is not only exhausting, it's it's almost impossible because you're stepping into such a, a toxic environment and you're just kind of stranded there. So I think if, if I'm in a situation where I'm considering change, I'm thinking, A, I need to be honest about how good I have it right now or, or good you don't have it, right? What is your situation? like? Is it... If you're unsatisfied, why? Is it, is it insecurity? Is it your own ego? Um, or is it, you know what, Like maybe you've just gotten to a spot where you've grown as far as you can to an organization, you've, you've had a great run, you've done great work, but you may actually be holding others back. By staying there, you know what? Maybe I should I should move on to something else because these people need to need to need to raise up, and I want to create that opportunity for them. It could be genuine unhappiness. You know, it's like this is just not a spot that I want to be in. And for me to to stick around is bad for me, and it's bad for everyone else. But I I just think you have to have a real clear sense of a who you are and b what you want um, as you pursue career opportunities because it's you know, you can get a better title with better pay and have a miserable situation. And then you look back and say, man, I really wish I actually had it really good where I was. And so I think you've got to be um, rooted in, in identity and kind of driven by purpose in the midst of all that.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I, I think it's it's a really good reminder that in a lot of these cases, like a lot of things, you really need some brutal honesty with yourself about, about everything. Um, I think we all know people who Never seem to be happy with their work. I mean, I, know, I certainly know a few that, you know, no matter where it is, it seems like, oh, there's problems at work and, I'm, you know, this stinks and I have problem with so-and-so and they don't, you know, they're not smart enough to, uh, to be around me and that, you know, it just, it's kind of like, okay, well, is it, is it really the place or is it the person? Because. Um, you have to be honest that there's never going to be that perfect situation. There's never going to be but If a job you've been five places
1: and you're unhappy at all of them, there's a common denominator and that's
0: you. <laughs> yeah. It's not the places. Are,
1: are, are, yeah. are people really against you or are you maybe unintentionally against yourself?
0: You know? Yeah, no, that's absolutely you. So you have to have that kind of hard conversation and, and, and be, you know, critically thinking about, about that. And also, like you said, your, your motives, you know, what are, what are, what are you motivated by for? You're not happy here because you haven't been promoted. Um, are you, you know, are you chasing that other job that you really want because of the name on the letterhead? I've done that. And I had, you know, even, even in the last year, there were some positions that, that, uh, that I pursued and, you know, I was sitting there kind of thinking about it and, you know, my heart wasn't really in it. And when I really kind of got down to it, it was because I was, it was the kind of thing I should want to do, right. That would really fit. And the, the name was really, you know, attractive. And even though I had known in the changes that I was making. And I've made a you know, fairly drastic career change over the last five years to go from being in a conference office and being on campus to being in, I call it the private sector, you know, the vendor side of things. And it's different. You know, there's, there's good and bad in others. You know, one of the bad is that our companies get bought and sold and closed down and laid off and things like that happen. But, you know, I realized that that's the path that I was most interested in that fit. It fit my lifestyle, it fit my family, it fit where I wanted to go. And I found myself, you know, okay, kind of getting wrapped up in some because that name would look really good on uh, on a resume, and it and it was an ego thing. It was no doubt, it was just an ego thing. And you know, I I was happy that I kind of got to that point eventually where I was willing to say, you know, I'm chasing these this for the wrong reason. You know, things things are going to work out in other areas, and I'm interested in this because of the name, not necessarily how it fits my life, because it probably would have been a bad probably would have been a bad decision for where my life is today. I think that's where it comes
1: in. You know, we talked about comparison before, but we want to compare our journey to everyone else's. And it's like, we, I have different goals than that person. Uh, I actually don't want what they want. And so that may be a great position for me, but it's, or for them, but it's, it's not going to be based on who I am and what I want in life. That's actually not going to be um, uh, the, the right position for me or maybe where I'm at for, where I, for, for who I am and where I want to be. The position I'm currently in may not be the best one. Um, so again, I think that to your point, you have to have difficult conversations with yourself and really be clear about about what you want uh, because chasing title chasing money um, is a real real easy way to find unhappiness as opposed to just being being okay with your identity, being okay with with your purpose, and, and finding things that, that align with that. Again, a lot of this goes back to personality. Um, some people are totally fine just just jumping, and they want new, they want fresh all the time. Some people want consistency, they want steady, and they feel like that hurts their credibility to leave. Um, and it certainly can if you're consistently leaving under, under um, awkward circumstances. I think you've just got to be clear again about who you are and the things that matter to you and, and running your race and, and your journey and not trying to, to, to be on someone else's path. Another thing I think is an issue with that is when we talk about transitioning is leading yourself well through transition, but also how you end. We talked, gosh, probably when, when this podcast started, you were just starting at, at New Lion. And so we talked about how you begin well, how you start new positions, new, new opportunities well, but I think how you end matters. Um, and that's a huge part of transitioning. And so it's how you end, but also staying engaged, staying intentional um, through that process. So what is what does that look like for you? How are you trying to do that well?
0: Yeah. And this is something um, I guess unfortunately I've had had some experience with over the last couple of years, you know, having having left a couple of jobs. And I, I think you hit it right on the head. And the the way I've always tried to approach it, whether you know leaving was my decision or somebody else's decision, you, you can only play that part. To the best of your ability, that's what you have to do. You have to um, do everything you can. One to leave on on good terms and do it the right way and not burn bridges on the way out for sure. But then you also, I think, have to look at it. You know, that that's that's the part you're playing, and that you need to just do it the best you can. Um, and that means a few different things, and, I, and I've been I've been talking to that to people here because unfortunately we've had some we've had a lot of people who've left. You know, with the sale, that's just how this goes. And you know, we've had a lot of change and some people who are here temporarily and some people who are like, go. You know, on day one, and the the example I use with them, um, and we talked about this a lot when I left the American, and I had some time um, to kind of spend uh, figuring things out and 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 getting better. So I want to just go to my next job better than I left this job. And you have some time, maybe there's there's some time in between positions. You know, if you have been let go or, or or what, that might be thrust on you. But how do you make that time your to your benefit and there's an outstanding article by Ryan Holiday um, that I've been passing around to some people in our office um, about choosing a live time instead of dead time. And the story goes a little bit about him when he was a consultant and he was stuck with this project that really wasn't going very well. And he was just kind of miserable, but it locked him in for eight months. You know, He said, I can just come into work every day and be you know, bitter and upset about how this is going, or I can use this time when I'm not super busy, or I'm not um, all consumed with something else to find, find the time to do something productive. And for him, it was starting out on a book that he wrote a year later and became a huge hit for other people, you know, it might just be getting yourself in shape, it might be getting a certification that, that helps you get your next job, it might be, you know, taking that, that class that's always interest you, you know, but I think, you know, in most cases, and, and obviously, there's some cases where it's just a, a dramatic, um, you need to, to save every, every penny. You know, I think, I think I could just challenge people to really find things that they can do and I can affect and um, you know, just develop yourself, use it as an opportunity to um, to do a little bit better and, and, and hit your next opportunity because there always will be a next opportunity. That's another thing that, you know, people who've gone through this um, need to understand there always is a next, you know, this is never over. Things will work out. And, you know, you just have to be able to be, be ready for it and use that time. To say, Hey, I, didn't waste those two months between jobs or those six months between jobs. I got better. I got in shape. I got, uh, you know, that book written. I got, you know, whatever it is. Uh, it's going to be different for everybody. But I think if you really focus on that, there's uh, so many things you can can do and and really do it well while you're obviously, you know, doing what's right for your employer to leave that. And so those people always say, well, you know what? Whether well, it's a, a tough situation at the end or, a, you know, he was going for a better opportunity, he did it the best way he could and he left it better than he found it. That's right, and and that's the key is like you you have a
1: choice with with how you show up. Right? Like it doesn't have to be a great situation. Like let, let's say you're leaving in, in, a, in a bad, uh, just a not not a great situation, and you're and you're headed out, or just a situation that you may not be bad, but it's not what you wanted. Right? It's like company gets bought. It's like well, I'd prefer to be here, but they don't have an option now. Um, so it's not a bad situation, just not not your ideal situation. Um, you still have a choice for how you show up, and you know, it's, it's natural for your first thought to be negative and to be bitter and to be frustrated and upset. Like, and that's okay. That doesn't make you um, weak. Like that's just normal. Like nobody gets news like that. It's like, awesome. What a great day. You know, it's like you you start to question things. There's doubt. It's like, that's, that's okay. Uh, But you can own your second thought and lead out of that. Like that first thought, you don't have to lead out of your emotion. You don't have to lead out of that frustration. Um, You can still choose like, you know what? I still have a job to do. And maybe it's just for another month. Maybe it's for another three months or maybe you're done that day. Whatever it looks like, you can still show up with a good attitude. Like, oh, that's just, you know, that's easier said than done. Of course it is. That's why very few people do it. And the ones that do it make a difference, (laughs) right? Because if you choose to like live out of that negativity, out of that bitterness, like that's just going to spread and multiply. Um, And who's going to want to like say good things about you at that point and help you out when you just showed up and made things worse instead of leaving it better than when you found it, you actually left on a negative note And that's the taste that you're leaving in people's mouths. It's like, and that's not, that's not who anyone wants to be remembered for. And so to be able to say, you know what? Like this is not ideal, but I can still have a good attitude. I can still put forth effort. The work that I'm doing still has my name on it. So I'm going to do it with the same care, the same intentionality. Um, And to your point, it's like, you probably have extra time. And especially if you're in the midst of a a job search, you can do nothing. You can sit around and get better and, and hope that things happen, or you can be intentional again, write a book, Get in shape, whatever it may be. Um, you get to choose how you show up each day, um, and so the, most of us, you know, if think through support challenge matrix that we talk about a lot, most of us in transition tend to abdicate on the way out. Whether we're retiring, whether we're um, we've taken a new position, whether the company's shutting down, we tend to abdicate and we don't end well. Um, and I think ending well it really matters. Um, and so choosing to stay engaged, choosing to be intentional. And are you getting real benefit from that in the moment? Of course not. Um, but the benefit that you're getting in the long run, like, man, they didn't have to do that. They could have just completely checked out and they stayed engaged. Like that says something about you. And that's the kind the type of people that other people want to be around, that other people want to work with, that other people want to hire um, the people who do the things that nobody else actually does.
0: Yeah. It's just the right thing, right? I mean, it's just the right thing to do. Um, That's right. You know, it's not easy and it's not comfortable always, but it's, it's, it's what you can impact and it's what you can affect because whatever happened has happened and it's, it's over with um, and it's not, not changing. So again, like I talk about a lot on this, on this uh, podcast, you know, what is the next thing that you can impact and, and what can you control and, you can always control how you show up and you can always control your effort and you can always control your attitude, you know? And it, yeah, it's absolutely harder and it's, it's definitely um, more difficult, but it's, as you said, it's because of that, that it's even more impactful to those around you. No, that's, that, that's the key. And you, know, as we've talked about
1: now for, for two and a half years, be intentional, not accidental. Like you, you can control what you can control. Um, so do it. And, and that's how that's how you make a difference. That's how you make things better that's how things tend to work out better <laughs> are for the people who, who show up on purpose. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when they don't feel like they should, they can, they just continue to show up with their best. Um, and again, doesn't mean you feel it every day. I was, I was listening to a podcast yesterday while running. It's like, it was actually called the unmotivated run. And it was, it's like, you know, you probably didn't want to run today. You didn't want to, you, you weren't feeling it, whatever. Um, but you didn't have to, you could have just stayed home. Right. That could have let your, if you if you lived out of that mindset, I would have never put my shoes on, never changed clothes, never gone out the door, but I didn't have to live out of that. Uh, and it, you know, not that I was like depressed or anything. It's just, I just wasn't feeling it. Like, but I also knew the right thing to do was run. And so make the hard choice. And, and as you said, I think that's the key phrase, do the right thing. Because that is the right thing to do is to, is to show
0: up on purpose. Yeah, so great conversation today. Um, you know, it's, it's good to be back, Kevin, doing the podcast. And, uh, you know, we, we promise you it won't be another 11 months before you hear from us again. But, uh, you know, I think it's a good topic. And it's one, you know, we talked about some uncomfortable things and some things that hopefully a lot of people don't have to deal with. But, you know, especially when we're talking about the last thing we we dealt with, which was those changes that come. You know, I think another piece to me is just to be realistic with it and understand these things will things will happen and change will happen. And, and, you know, a wise person once said that uh, the only thing constant is change. And, you know, it's very much true and, you know, be ready for it, be prepared, um, whether it's keeping your network up to date, keeping a, a, a rainy day fund, you know, that's important. You know, Again, these are, these aren't always easy things to talk about
1: and certainly not easy things to experience. Um, but this is one of the things we want to do on this podcast is talk about real life. Um, and these are the real things that people actually experience and they engage in. Uh, so hopefully you got some, some nuggets that you guys can apply and use um, to make creating and leading through change uh, a little bit easier um, and to make leading and, and operating through uh, in the midst of transition uh, a little less bumpy.
0: Yeah. And leadership is tough. It's messy and it's, um, you know, and that's why it's one. So in demand, and that's why it's so satisfying. So yeah, great conversation. Um, again, thanks for all our listeners, um, who've talked to us, reached out to us, proud of us to get back into the podcast. Um, you know, it's definitely means a lot to, uh, to Kevin and I both to hear that. And, um, Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, please you know hit that subscribe button. Uh, please give us a review and, and share with your friends. And uh, we look forward to, to a good summer. And uh, thanks again for listening.